This is Market Ready, a brand new podcast about how companies bring products to market. On this season, we go behind the scenes and give you an in-depth look at the world of product marketing and answer questions like, what is product marketing? What are the core skills you need to be a product marketer? How is product marketing different at large and small companies? And so much more. But before we dive in, I am so, so excited to intro this show. After a long break, we are back to deliver part two of the All About GTM episode. On our show, we will discuss how to execute a go-to-market plan, who are your key stakeholders, and how to manage project updates. Most importantly, we are going to discuss what happens when things don't go to plan. This is going to be another great episode to bookmark and come back to again and again, especially after you start running your own go-to-market plans. And now, on to our show. Welcome to Market Ready, a podcast about how companies bring products to market. I'm your host, Jeanette Jordan. And I'm your host, Maisha Slay. So why don't we get started? Who are your key stakeholders for a go-to-market plan? Who do you keep in the loop? Who's important to inform? And are there different levels of communication? So I think we've been building on this particular topic. Um, We've stated and want to reiterate that a product marketing manager role is very collaborative. So you're going to be working across different product lines, different functional partners. And so that key skill of being able to communicate both up to senior leaders as well as um, folks on your same level is really important. So some of the key stakeholders that are coming to mind um, are your product manager. That yeah. is your right number hand man or woman. Yeah, number uh, one. Yes, that you <laughs> need to build a very strong relationship with. They are your number one person to go to as things pop up and that you should be checking in with pretty much daily on what's going on with the product, what's going on with engineering, have timeline shifted, um, demoing that out. Um, so they are your number one person to check with. Um, I would say other folks that you are often going to be interacting with um, include, especially if you're on the B2B side, is with your sales team and also with your customer success team as well. These are people that are talking to customers the most and are going to be talking to them daily. And so you want to stay plugged in into what they're hearing from the field, um, what customers are saying, and kind of what their needs are, what they need to have. Um, in order for things to be created, especially with the go-to-market plan, because they're going to have specific things that they have maybe have heard from customers or even from themselves, like, hey, in order for me to prepare for this launch, I need a one-sheeter or I need, like, a, um, a competitive, like, deck in terms of how we stack up and rank up against our other competitors. So those are the folks that you really need to understand what their needs are when it comes to a go-to-market plan as well. I would agree. I think that's absolutely number one and number two. Who I would put at three and four, I would say is your engineering leaders or management right behind product. They're probably not going to be a day-to-day contact. The whole point of product management as a function is to protect engineering from kind of the day-to-day busyness. But I would say 
as you get close to launch, you want to think about what cadence do you need for kind of that next layer. And I think your engineering managers knowing when things are hitting the market, it would be good for there to be, you know, less frequent updates. Maybe it's biweekly, maybe it's monthly, but keeping them in the loop and defining that cadence before you get to launch. And then I would also say, you know, marketing. Yes. You know, other marketing peers that might need to create collateral and update your website and help you uh, with the pieces or parts to launch. And then I don't know if we've mentioned it already, not only customer success, I would add in there sales enablement as you get close to who's going to be training. Now, sometimes sales enablement does sit within product marketing and sometimes it doesn't. So if it doesn't, you definitely want to make sure your sales enablement manager is up to date and starting to think about before you get to launch that they're creating training materials so that the teams are trained up before customers see it. Anybody else you would add to that list? Um, probably the last person and not in any means that it negates like, oh, this is the last person she should talk to, but I just think that they're important is your analyst. Um, so this is the person that is going to be able to track those success metrics in order to determine like, was this launch great? Or even can do check-ins in the middle of a particular launch to say like, hey, is this actually going really well? Um, so having that person too, in terms of being able to get specific data points, um, is going to be really helpful. I would add to the list and say probably who I think is... Mm, very last, but probably most important, depending on how strategic this launch is, you may have a layer of senior leadership, that senior leadership or executives, depending on what type of launch and what the impact to the potential company is. You might have senior leaders that you need a periodic check in with. So that's something to be aware of. Like, again, we talked about almost like the sizing of the launch right. uh, for a feature update. Probably not. But for a brand new product. Probably yes. so. <laughs> yeah, that would be a yes. <laughs> and and some companies have tiering of you know what they need approval from from senior leaders. Um, and this could be a check from um, if you're at a startup. Sometimes the, even the CEO wants to see it. Um, at other companies, it can roll up all the way to the CMO. Um, so just being aware of what that process is, depending on the sizing of the launch and the expectation for how many customers this is going to hit as well. And as somebody who's spent at least probably half of my career at startups, if it's a new product launch, the CEO is probably definitely going to want to know. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about what the plan is and who should be informed on the plan. How do you actually give updates? That is a good question. So um, how I kind of manage this in my mind is that um, – thinking about different tools you can use to manage this. So majority of the go-to-market plan will probably be in the form of a Word doc, Google doc, mm -hmm. um, or sometimes I've even seen them in a deck in a presentation format. Um, but the tools that you're going to be using in order to manage that step-by-step -step in order to launch, there's a number of different tools. Um, so anything from Trello or Asana, which are really great project management tools, um, using software sharing programs such as Google Docs um, uh, can really help because um, oftentimes as you are creating stuff for go-to-market launch, you're going to need a lot of people's eyes on it. And so it's very easy to tag folks in there, get their feedback, feedback get their input. Um, 
I would say other tools to use. I've worked in companies where the culture is if it doesn't live in a deck, then it doesn't exist. Um, So where presentations really take the key, like that's what people actually use and reference in order to get their information. And so if you didn't have it in a presentation, then it was as if you didn't do the work. So making sure that you have whatever your company uses to disseminate information, that it's there for people to um, be able to see quick updates on what the plan is. And being the fact that we talk about product marketing being so cross-functional, the reality of the situation is you're probably going to have different levels of updates in different places. I would say to add to, it's not technically, I would say, probably project management software, but um, GitHub actually... You know, working at a startup, being an engineering first organization, if you work in technology, a lot of companies claim to be engineering first. We felt like it was important for there not to be a distinction between business sets of tools and engineering sets of tools. So we, yeah, learned to create boards in GitHub and manage all of our marketing projects there. Um, So that's another place. I've also seen good old-fashioned spreadsheets, you know, like... Excel still works. (laughs) A lot of... (laughs) You know, uh, product managers, product, you know, marketers still use spreadsheets and work back plans. And then I do think at some point, um, either for yourself or for senior leadership, having it in a PowerPoint presentation, having an executive summary level is always good to prepare because you want that visibility on your project. You know, whether this is a project where senior leaders need to be looped in or not, Make it easy for your boss. Make it very easy for them. That executive summary is is very important in terms of getting very concise with the information that needs to be there and making sure that it flows all the way through. So you'll probably have, I would say, in a go-to-market um, strategy doc, different versions of this, like a very short, high-level overview of it that you're going to share with senior leaders, and then more of like a longer strategy doc that's kind of the main one and then you'll probably have another section of just like that day-to-day tactical things that have to get done and how you're tracking that too yeah and in you know for that reason and kind of my go-to-market template I actually keep a space for documents right yes. because there can be there's product requirements docs that you have that I need to be included. yeah yes. there's timelines there's updates you may be working with other vendors like for example I currently work with an outsourced PR company a lot of companies do so they might be working on their own timeline and plans it's a piece of the plan and not the whole plan like how do we get to the couple of days before launch and what happens right. after that so you know being organized and having a place to actually keep Keep all your documents in one place again to make it easy for your key stakeholders, you know. And I think we talked about a little bit about this last week, but I think it, you know, is worth repeating. I also list those stakeholders in my go-to-market yes. plan, right? Who is that person who's ultimately responsible? Um, and I do a day-to-day contact, and then I do kind of like a team or a senior leader, like if we need to escalate and you're not getting what you need, who would you go to? Pro tip, having people's names who's responsible for what, whether you do that um, within the doc, whether you use Rapid or um, or other types of models that call out who's responsible for when, who's an approver, who's a decision maker is really important. So including that throughout your doc is, is very good. So we have planned for the go-to-market and we have launched 
Let's talk about what happens when things don't go to plan because it's always nice to have this ideal plan that you've worked on and this is your like big project and so you've spent months planning and getting the teams aligned and you know as you get closer and closer to launch what happens when it doesn't go to plan and and even let's step back before that what are some reasons things don't go to plan and I I'm happy to kick this one off I would say launch delays is like yes. probably the my number, number one. one. <laughs> the number one thing that will happen will be launch delays, and especially as it comes to product readiness. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, engineer, our engineering teams, our product teams are all very smart people. We plan ahead. We do our due diligence. But sometimes there are bugs that come up. Yeah. Sometimes there are errors that are just not anticipated. So there's a need to push the delay back. Um, push the launch date. So, sometimes you get customer feedback. I mean, we talked about again well. last week, what does alpha, alpha launch look like? What does beta launch look like? What are the requirements to move from alpha to beta? Sometimes you don't hit those key milestones. Maybe people don't like it. It's not resonating. It's hard. You need to go back and rebuild it. And so it's not ready. And those things happen, which is why you tend to do the soft launch. Uh, because sometimes the product is not ready for a variety of reasons. Sometimes you find, you know, conflicts or there are things that you didn't account for or, or strange edge cases um, that make it like we can't launch this because there's a big loophole and it's going to cause a problem with our other product set. That's correct. Yes. Um, I also think, you know, sometimes there's a lack of thinking about migration plans. You know, you can launch something new, but in order to get people using the new things, like you haven't properly thought about how to cut over and you haven't thought about how it works in the suite of things. So I would also say that's, you know, a potential delay. Another thing that I think comes up is wanting to launch it, you know, at the right PR moment. So taking the spotlight off of product and engineering and kind of owning it as a business. Sometimes you want to launch it for a conference. Sometimes you want to make a big splash. Yes. And thinking about the media calendar and time of year is sometimes important. Sometimes summer's really slow time to launch things. Or it doesn't make sense to launch two weeks before a trade show right. when there's going to be extra press and things to announce at the trade show and you want to be in those conversations. So sometimes there's actually really good business and marketing reasons for not launching on time. That is correct, too, of like why you want to delay a, a number of different companies, and especially on... Actually, this is across the board, across B2C or across B2B. You want to wait for that right moment in order to capture the most folks. So some people will delay um, product launches for big events. So, for example, like on the B2C side, there's CES every year in yeah. January. That's a great time to announce new things coming out. Um, there's Mobile World Conference if you're in the mobile app space. Yeah. Um, and then a number of B2B companies do their own like major uh, company organization. So think of like Salesforce. Every year yeah. they do Dreamforce and announce like very large partnerships there. Um, a number of other large companies do the same thing. Like Slack is doing one into it. Yeah. Um, Avril, LinkedIn, they all have their um, Google. Um, they all have these major conferences that it, they announce major updates and, and product launches too. So from a marketing side, especially from a product marketing side, you may want to hold off for that big moment because you just know that's when you're going to capture the um, capture PR and capture the right marketing channels at that time. And sometimes if you're not big enough to have your yes. own customer conference, because I do think that there is starting to be almost a shift from 
it all being about industry conferences to, like you said, companies starting to have their own customer conferences, I think thinking about if a company that you partner with or your product plugs into is having a conference, sometimes that's also a great time to create a moment just to say how it works together and to, you know, news jockey a little bit. It's not necessarily our moment. We may not be big enough or have the resources to create our own customer conference, but, you know, we can um, leverage that our tool works with Salesforce, our tool works with Slack. And so even though they're having a moment, that's a great time to think about an announcement. Definitely. And sometimes you want to get out the noise, you know. Sometimes you want to wait because the conference season is crowded and it really is noisy. And if you're not going to have something big enough to cut through the chatter, sometimes you do want to wait for it to die down and then announce. So it's this is part of the reason why I think it's important to think through that strategy really yes. carefully. So what what else happens when things don't go to plan? I think, again, because this is a collaborative type of role, sometimes your cross-functional partners are not ready. Yeah. So um, in addition to products, sometimes like sales or sometimes customer success teams just need more time for training. Um, so Jeanette, to your point earlier, that sales enablement, that training piece that um, these folks need to talk to customers they're not prepared for it. So we have to actually delay because there needs to be actually education content to that needs to be built out first um, in order for um, that launch to happen. And a lot of times that happens in tandem. Um, but if it does not, or if the team says we just need more time to prepare, there's there's other um opportunities there in terms of why it may get delayed. Yeah. And just recently, um, I had a delay come up because other products were releasing, Yes, you know? Um, so that's the other thing. If it's not a huge moment, if it's not a strategic launch, maybe sometimes if it is something run of the mill or feature update, you might have other teams or other business units actually working on their own launch. Yes. And sometimes there's nobody co coordinating across teams you know, it's your job as a product marketer to coordinate with different functions. But sometimes these kind of groups of like, we're all working on this product. We're not talking about to the groups that are working on a whole nother product. And so we realize like releasing it in the user experience of saying like, oh, we're going to talk to you three or four times in the same week about different changes we're making is a poor experience. Um, so we decided to delay a launch. So that was a recent experience I had. I also think... Sometimes you go along and you launch, but you just didn't launch the way you imagined or the, the way you wanted to or the moment wasn't as big. So, you know, what is your experience with like, okay, we launch even if we launch on time, but what are things that still have gone wrong and gone sideways in the GTM? <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Um, I would say... This is a good one. I'm trying to think of a really good example for this one. Um, so I'll put it as this. Like, we wanted it to kind of be like a rolling launch almost. Yeah. So, for example, when I was uh, working at Asana and working on our partnership um, launch that we had with Microsoft, it was like when Microsoft first announced Team and there was this yeah. big hoopla around Teams being the Slack killer. Um 
And we really wanted to piggyback on that particular launch moment that they were having. Um, and so we launched at that time when, when Microsoft said, hey, this is when we're doing our big announcement. Can the product be ready? And we did that um, to kind of capture this PR moment they had. Um, and so we got a little bit of, you know, the customer interest there. And then uh, when we actually came time for the product to release, uh, there were a number of different features that just weren't ready for it, but we had to move forward with it because that's the date that we kind of said had committed to. And so after that point, we had to continue to reiterate the fact that, oh, now we're with Microsoft Teams. So we had this big PR moment, like I want to say in like the fall time frame, the product actually released some time in that springtime from our product standpoint. It didn't have everything that we needed, but we went ahead with it. And so we had to continue to rebuild the product over the next few months and kept using these smaller moments to talk about our partnership with Microsoft across the board because we wanted to tell this holistic story that, you know, we work with in the Microsoft ecosystem. And so it kind of launched, but nobody was really using it because uh, Microsoft is kind of like an enterprise play and that's what we were using it for. But our product just wasn't ready, but we still pushed it forward. Yeah, I know. I've had an experience where, you know, we were trying to launch around advertising week, you know, um, in the ad tech uh, space. That's a really big industry conference happens every year. Um, and my executive, we landed a sp spot speaking on stage and all of that. And, you know, within a week or so, the demo mm -hmm. just wasn't working. Um and so we ended up having to start to be creative and do some slideware and manipulate things. So he had a whole walkthrough about how it works, but we had no demo or we didn't think about demo data because mm -hmm. especially in what I do with advertising or customer data, sometimes you can't actually show and surface yes. customers' data that's not your own. Um, and we hadn't thought about creating demo data. So... You know, there's all types of things that can go wrong as you're potentially preparing for a launch and you have to be adaptable and think quick on your feet. Yes. Or do, like, there's there's a number of other solutions. Like, to my point, like, you can do a rolling launch. Like, if you have to go out for specific moments and times, um, you do have to get creative. So can we do this in a rolling session? How do we continue to capitalize this story or continue to roll it up into a much larger story later on as well? Um, what about anything else that you feel like hasn't gone to plan? You know, for me, I think the other thing is, um, you know, thinking something's really great and important and just not getting the press pickup you want. That happens. Or the amount of customers that you thought were going to adapt this and think this feature was going to change the game. Like, you're even really excited about this feature and then you put it out there and customers are like, meh. Yeah. Or interesting that you are focused on certain use cases and yes. you really think that that's the winner and customers start using it and come up with totally different use cases. Yes. Uh, which I think happens a lot. And I think we mentioned that, you know, before that sometimes it's about testing and learning what the use cases are. Whether your product launch is going according to plan or not, you should always create a good go-to-market plan. Today, we are gonna do a quick product spotlight on the project management tool, Asana. At Market Ready, we are big Asana fans. Asana is one of the easiest ways to manage projects and tasks for your team. 
I personally love the forms feature, which allows all of my stakeholders to submit requests and they are automatically turned into tasks. As a team leader, I can easily plan, organize, and manage the workflow for my marketing managers on a weekly basis. I can see when my team members have too much on their plate and I can quickly make adjustments to their tasks. The calendar feature allows my stakeholders to view all of our launches in one place and see changes in real time. Asana is also a collaboration tool that can connect different organizations. So I can not only manage the tasks for my team, but my contractors and vendors all in one place. My Isha and I are both Asana power users and we cannot wait for you to try this tool. And now back to our show. So what do you do if product marketing doesn't actually own the go-to-market plan? Have you had that experience at all? So this is a good question. Um, I will say this can differ at companies. Yeah. So at Intuit, technically, our product marketers did not own go-to-market strategy and launch. That was what we called segment marketing managers, which is what I was. Oh, interesting. Um, and so as a segment marketer, I owned the go-to-market strategy and was responsible for the P&L. Our product marketers primarily focused on um, more of that customer research piece, messaging and positioning, um, and would uh, be that first ground with product managers in terms of, hey, what's coming down the pipeline and, and going from there. But as a segment marketer, I was still responsible for working with my PM on, um, on certain launches that were coming out. So I would say that um, at certain companies, a product marketer may not have go-to-market responsibilities. And I actually think that, actually think it does a disservice because you're not really able to see that soup to nuts yeah. Um, in terms of what you are working on. I think What's it becomes more content marketing. Yes. I think it becomes more sales enablement. I think people use product marketing in those cases to make the job a little bit more attractive, but I think technically it's much more about you creating content than right. being a strategic partner. I haven't been in that. I haven't been in that situation personally. I personally look for roles where I own a go-to-market because that's actually my favorite part of uh, product marketing. <clears throat> but I have, when I uh, worked at Newstar, what I do think was interesting is um, the product managers functions a little bit like GMs, like they were responsible for the revenue goals. Mm. And so I saw it a little differently because – product managers were much more strategic and business-minded mm. than I've seen in some organizations where they're really focused on technical requirements right. and they're really tied to engineering, having much more of they're responsible to deliver that revenue and that's not on the business side or on the sales side made them, you know, you tended to find people who have MBAs or to have business degrees right. and really think broader, not only technical. Um, but I still think it was a partnership. It wasn't that they totally drove or owned the go-to-market, but I did appreciate the level of partnership and collaboration for being able to talk about the business metrics versus in some organizations I found most of my product managers are very technical and it's like, yes, 
everything that's not having to do with the functionality of the product, they were like, that's your problem. You know, it's like it lives in your world. It was great for them to have a vested interest of the performance, of the adoption, of the revenue, of, you know, digging into how it makes money. And that's just not a business side or an executive side. But they were also thinking about that and making sure that products were built in a practical way because they're, they were, you know, incentivized to make sure that it did well. So I think that's an interesting nuance. Have you seen yes. any other cases where product marketing doesn't own the go-to-market? No. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I would say, especially at um, traditionally here in Silicon Valley, um, at larger and even at startups, a product marketer will typically own that, will typically own the go-to-market um, yeah. strategy and planning and execution of that, um, and including like the outcomes and the long-term goals. Um, yeah. So I, there's not very many places where I've seen where it doesn't. Um, and if you're new to the function, like that's something to ask, right? Because I do think it's almost preferred to to own the go-to-market. So that is something to dig into and ask and making sure people are just not, you know, playing, being funny with the title, yes. but making sure that you are going to have a strategic position and have a seat at the decision-making table. So... I think we should move into questions, given yes. that. I think we have some great and somewhat difficult questions today. So the first one is, how does product marketing influence the overall product roadmap? That's like not a softball. Sometimes it's like, what is, you know? But this one is deep. Yeah, so this is essentially a core function of what a product marketer does. It's how do you influence the product roadmap? How do you make sure that um, marketing is represented there with product and engineering? Uh, And essentially, you are the voice of the customer in that in terms of really helping to influence what specific product features should be moved up in terms of the product roadmap. and having some, also having some financial implications of that too. So, um, I think that how do you go about that? Is one get a better get? I would say here's my practical tips. Yeah. One is to make sure that you're building solid relationships with your product management team and the engineers as well to gain a sense of where they're coming from. Go sit with them, sit in their area learn a little bit more about their planning process as well and make sure that you're getting being invited to those strategy planning meetings. So that's the first step. If you're yeah. not even being invited to those strategy planning meetings, you're already kind of behind the curve in terms of the amount of work that you're going to have to do to influence um, and make sure that things are being heard. That can be hard to do. That can be hard to do. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we need to pause and talk about that there. Yes. And this is a really great segue because next week we're going to talk about building credibility with products. But, you know, in the last two organizations I've joined, they had product marketers previous to me that were not strategic, that they didn't feel like we're great partners. And so they had removed that seat from the table. So it actually took a long time to start building credibility with product to get invited to those things. I have been in several organizations that assume as soon as they tell anybody with a marketing title, including product marketing, somehow that that's going public. So they have been very afraid to share like, 
what actually works on the product and what doesn't work. Because that's really something key and important to know. So I'm not messaging the things that don't work. Um, So I do say, I think you're right. Like you want to make sure you're invited to those meetings, but I also want to make sure Anybody who's listening that's not automatically invited, that they're not discouraged. And that's what next week's episode is going to be. Maybe a battle. Yeah. I mean, you might have more of that if you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair type of mentality. Um, But yeah, if you're not automatically invited, then that should be a key goal of yours is to get invited. And some of that initiative too might come top down in terms of just making sure that – Directors and VPs who are product marketers and product managers are aligning together at the top to help bridge that collaboration, too. Yeah. Um, I have seen that work um, very well at um, actually at my last three organizations by having actually pretty much most of my career in, in tech is when there has been better alignment, especially at the top between product management and, and product marketing um, and encouraging more collaboration between the two, it's a lot easier to get that seat and or floating chair um, into <laughs> those um, strategy planning meetings. Um, but I do think it starts with building that solid relationship. And then also make sure that you have the data to back it up. A yes. lot of these decisions, aren't. You, you're not going to be able to influence the product roadmap just to say, well, I think this should be done because you know, it fits it. Well, while they will take into consideration like, oh, it's going to be advertising week or it's going to be mobile work congress. So this is when we should have it done. They might take that into account, but they want actual data. What is the customer saying? How yeah. many customers? How many customers will this affect? Um, what is the potential revenue of this? You know, if we built this particular feature at this particular time, um, what's going into that? How many folks are already in the market? So the more that you could have enough data to back up what you're saying will really help influence that product roadmap. And especially if that data comes for customers, because one thing they can't really argue with is what our customers are saying. Yeah. And I would say, you know, it sounds really simplistic. My first tip is know your product. Yes. You know, and we and we definitely talked about this in previous episodes, but I think when you can show a real interest and a curiosity, when you can talk specifically and deeply about the product um, and your tech organizations know that you know it and care, you're not coming from an informed, you know, uninformed point of view you're not saying hey we should do this and they're looking at you crazy because they're like well it does that you know so you know part of it yeah I think part of it is making sure that you're spending some time in the product and that you know the product so that you can talk about it intelligently passionately you know putting on that customer point of view so I think that that's one way to influence it but I also think you know Another tip, which we have said before, too, and it can't be stressed enough, sit with your customers. Because I always think no matter how well I know my product and no matter how much I attach myself to the hip of my product manager, when I inevitably sit with my customers and learn their problems and their use cases and their pain points, even when somebody tells me, it just feels differently when I can put that face or that name or I see what happens in their day-to-day environment. 
uh, with that customer pain point and seeing how something we may not think is important is really a blocker to them or, you know, keeping them from making the business case to spend more with us or that kind of thing. So I would say know your product, know your customer really well. And then I think you have to take in consideration what makes sense. I think influencing the product roadmap in my experience is a little bit about a negotiation. You know, I think sometimes the technical teams, I will go back to my favorite analogy of like a car. You know, I think when an engineer is building a car, they care about that engine and tweaking that. And I always like to say and explain that sometimes your customer cares about the paint color. Right. And your engineer doesn't care about that pink color at all. And so it's a little bit sometimes of a negotiation that like, yes, it needs to work better, but we also need some features and some things that even though it may not be tied to performance or the technical things that you really care about, maybe we can bundle these things. So sometimes it's a negotiation to say like, hey, I would rather not have these features even though I know the underlying mechanics works well, but I do need some front-end features to just say like, hey, the way that these charts and graphs populate should visualize a little differently. Gotta make money from these features. <laughs> yeah. We're not just in this business for free. So I think you bring it, it made me think of a couple of things on this. Like, yes, in terms of influence the product roadmap, it is a negotiation. You will not get everything that you want. And I, I do want to point out that the product roadmap does have a I think it includes a number of different things. So what it will include like net new features that we can get out there, potentially monetize. Um, it will also include features that need to be updated. So things yeah. that have already been living out there in the world that just need updates, bug fixes. You know, we may have launched it before it was really ready and just put that MVB out there. But yeah. in order to get it to where it needs to be, there needs to be some inch work that goes into fixing it. Yeah. Um, so there's probably some critical things there. Um, and then there's probably other, the third piece is probably some other things on the back end just for overall maintenance as well. And so that's the hodgepodge of what a product roadmap will look like. And so anytime that you're going into this to help influence the roadmap, of what things that you want bumped up or bumped down, just know that there is a sacrifice between one thing or another. Um, so you may have to sacrifice new features in this particular quarter or first half of the year or even just the overall year in order to have those updates that are needed to get a feature into where it needs to be as well. So I think taking that into consideration and understanding what, what encompasses a product roadmap and what those trade-offs are going to be is really important as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's a good point. I definitely think, you know, understanding things that can be bundled and level of effort, right? Yes. Because there could be things that have big impact that are little level, low level of effort. And there could be things that have little impact and high level of effort. So again, kind of staying close to your product managers or engineers, if you don't um, have those and understanding how you can start to be strategic and group things and bundle things so it makes sense for everyone involved is a key part of that. I want to ask another question. Um, how much, uh, no, I don't want to ask that one. I'm going to ask On to the next. for new products. When does product marketing come into the picture? I actually think that this is a, a better question that we should talk about. When should they come into the picture? Day one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, really, like, yeah, planning. Like, that's a part of, like, to our point, wrapping up this last conversation and this last question is product roadmap. Like, you should know, like, well in advance what new features, net new features are going to be built out for this year and know what's going on. How do we plan to build them? Be one of the first folks along with engineering and your product um, product managers with testing it i.e. dog fooding it, um, which is a concept of where you use that that product in the beta form internally. Um, and so day one, a product marketer should be in there. I don't think should that, Should. This does okay, not, that's so, a good point. You so may let, have a so story about why this may not always happen. There yeah. are some horror stories of where product built something and tells you like, Two weeks before, even some days a days before, and be like, hey, days. we're going to launch this. Do something about it, marketing. And you're like, what? Like, I won't name any names. Right. Don't. <laughs> but I will say I have worked at a company where literally I got like a message, a ping, and um, the product manager was like, hey, it's Wednesday. Uh, the product will be released on Friday. Problematic in and of itself before I get anywhere else because why release anything on a Friday, on a weekend when you're not going to have people using it? Just don't do it. You're not going to know if it breaks. Horrible day for comms. And it's like, hey, we're releasing this thing on Friday. Today is Wednesday. I would like you to do the marketing thing. You know, and I'm like, uh. (laughs) Marketing thing. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, do the product marketing magic you know, it's being released on Friday, go. And I'm like, whoo, that's not how it works, you know? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, the product is ready, go launch it, you know? And I'm like, oh, huh, hmm, how do I say this? So we have, like, two choices. You guys can bring me in earlier and, again, talking about an organization where, Product marketing clearly didn't have a seat at the table, and they have been burned by product marketers in the past. And so they were like, hey, we're going to do our thing, and then we're going to throw it over the fence, and then you do this, like, marketing thing. And I was like, kind of. So we have two choices (laughs) here, right? You can start to bring me in earlier, and so then when the product's ready, we can launch. Or you can hold the product. And then you can let me do the marketing magic thing. And But you got to give me at least a couple of weeks. What do you want to do? And he was like, neither. You know, and it became a whole thing and a whole negotiation. What happened? Uh, I think to your point, like rolling launch, you know, that it was like, thankfully, it was much more in the realm of features and it wasn't like a new product or anything. So it's like, great, I can send an email like, you know, like this thing is now here by Friday. But it would have been nice to consider like the user experience and what other things. And again, for me to say Friday is actually a bad day. And what if something breaks on the weekends and nobody's here to manage that, you know? Um, So, you know, yes, you should be brought in in day one. But again, I don't want anybody to be discouraged if you're not. That sometimes comes with time. It does come with time. So I think that's a good point. Like, I think we, we were giving the idealistic picture right. <laughs> and then the reality of what can possibly happen um, within different teams and organizations. I think next week when we talk about how to build credibility with product, I also want to touch on sometimes you do have to educate your product management team on what marketing actually does and yes. the processes that go through it and the other um, teams that you have to work with. Oftentimes, product management is 
only working with Inge and maybe with a marketing, but they don't know the business side. So they yeah. may not have a touch point with sales or customer success or with other channel marketers and how that process works. And so I think it's really important to, to sometimes educate your product managers on yeah. what that looks like um, in order to tell them all about the marketing magic that happens and how there's timelines and other teams that, that go into it. So we'll touch on that a little bit more next week. And I think that this is a good, you know, reason to have a go-to-market plan, that yes. you can have that at the ready to educate people. And if we haven't said it explicitly, you know, you should be sharing even your, before you even get to, I would say, a plan. You know, I think when you get to a new organization or a new product or a new product manager, you should be sharing how you even think about the go-to-market process yes. with your uh, product manager. They should be bought in to how you even think about planning and executing go-to-market before even your planning starts. Um, so just, you know, thinking about educating and evangelizing and getting agreement early. You know, I have been in some organizations where I'm like, I love this detailed multi-step process. But when I show it to people, they freak out. And they're like, oh, uh, we're a startup. I need like something in one page, yes. you know? Um, so again, when we think about who you work with, sometimes I do like a slimmed down one page version for them, mm -hmm. but I still want all the, the details and I still want all of the docs and I still want all of that in one place. So, you know, sometimes it's thinking about that you may need to change or adapt or adapt even how you show your process. And so you should be getting that buy-in from that product manager and that sales uh, manager very early for like, this is just the way I even like to bring products to market and let them respond and react before you even try to run it. Yes. I think that's a good place. Dan, what do you so. think? Yeah. So uh, next week we'll start to touch on um, how you build credibility and build that relationship with product and We'll touch on the good, the bad, the ugly there, um, you know, conflict management. Um, we'll continue to dive into influencing the roadmap a little bit more and just that education piece. Yes. And this has been episode five, how to execute a go to market on market ready. Thank, Thank you. This show was produced by the market ready team. Sound mixed and edited by full spectrum productions with original music from Damani Rhodes. Thank you again for listening and feel free to connect with us at Market Ready Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.